Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to another edition of Stacking the Box podcast. I am Sterling Holmes, joined by Mike Luciano. All right, Mike Luciano, Ian McMillan is out. The bet master is out, which sucks for me because I placed some money yesterday and that bet did not hit. I need Ian here, but maybe Mike can give me some good advice. And if you guys want some good advice, go to DraftKings. DraftKings has upgraded their sign-up offer for a limited time. If you're a new user, you can receive 200 bucks in bonus bets by following just three steps. Create an account, deposit, and then wager five-plus bucks on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you will still receive those 200 bucks in bonus bets. All you have to do is use code STB when you sign up. STB not only gets you the bonus, but it supports the podcast. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, Use code STB to maximize your first bets. Offers available for new customers 21 plus and physically present legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Please use the episode description for the full terms of the offers. Mike, how are you? It's hard to really feel too bad when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback and Dalvin Cook is your running back. And especially after watching Zach Wilson, I can't complain too much. Hey, you're a Jets fan. Come on now. You can always complain. That's, that's uh, well, weird. I mean, first time in a long time. Believe me, I've done my fair <laughs> share of complaint over the years. <laughs> uh, we have a lot to get into today. We got our preseason week two winners and losers. Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, uh, okay to seek trade. Uh, we'll get into our division winners as well. But first, let's start with the winners and losers. Mike, my big winner, winner immediately was Eric Bieniemy, especially because he shut me up on uh, the last stacking the box I was on. I kind of went after Eric Bieniemy because there was that whole report about Ron Rivera saying he's a little bit too aggressive. And I went after him and said, look, like that kind of yelling at everybody, screaming and being angry, maybe it's not the right mindset for this young team. And honestly, I think that I think maybe that might be part of why he hasn't gotten higher top of the, you know, the NFL's a good old boys club on, on top of that. I feel like maybe he just didn't have the right maybe leadership persona. And I feel like teams kind of thought that. But, man, he is looking like a real leader out there lately. Helps the Washington Commanders snap the Baltimore Ravens, I believe, eight-year uh, preseason winning streak. That went by the wayside. Sam Howell looked terrific. The offense looked very creative, even without an offensive line that's particularly good. In fact, I think it's one of the worst in the league. The creativity from Kansas City is there. The ability to call plays well and hit big plays when needed from Kansas City is still there. So Eric Bieniemy, I thought, did a fantastic job in what was maybe his big unveiling as a coordinator. 
Yeah, I actually want to touch on this a little bit more because when that report came out that he was a little difficult on Washington and some guys weren't responding well, my initial thought was that's a lot of times what winning organizations have. Now, it works when you come from Kansas City. It works here in Kansas City because he's been here long enough. People respect him. You have the Lombardi. You have the rings to back it up. We've seen this a lot from Bill Belichick disciples, right? Joe Judge, what did he do when he got to New York? He tried doing the same thing. The only difference is he's not Bill Belichick. Eric Bieniemy is not Andy Reid, but Bieniemy, it's his persona. He's not trying to be something he's not. And that's why it works because it's natural. It's natural how Dan Campbell acts in Detroit. That's who he is. Sometimes I think these, these coaches see what it worked for their, uh, maybe their predecessors. They, they, they see what those guys did and they try to emulate that. But it's not who they are. The enemy being this hard-nosed guy is who he is, so it works because it's honest. So I like that. I love the fact that a lot of the Chiefs players backed him up. You heard Patrick Mahomes saying, hey, man, it, it helps us. That, that intensity helps, and I think you're starting to see it with Washington. It's making that Washington team look like a completely different team. I mean, that, that I was really skeptical of the whole B-enemy experience, for lack of a better word, because, I mean, there's always that debate when – you go to a coach that's an offensive coach like an Andy Reid, and then there was that debate. Well, how much of it's Patrick Mahomes? How much of it's Eric Bieniemy? How much of it is Andy Reid? And again, I think the the Matt Nagy kind of really burning brightly and then fading away in Chicago, I think, kind of added to that about all right, like how much of these coordinators really do. And I think he had a pretty good, uh, pretty good showing. I mean, obviously preseason versus regular season, huge difference. But you know what? He gets the Cardinals Week One. That's a good chance for him to really kind of have some fun. So uh, what's your big winner, Sterling? Uh, really quickly, I want to point out, Matt Nagy did win Coach of the Year. I will, I will die on the hill, and I thought he was unfairly treated in Chicago. Okay. I mean, Not he did his, have – I think Trubisky had like – was like 24 and 12 or something like that. Yeah, that, that, that's so. my whole point. They went to the playoffs with Trubisky. He didn't draft Trubisky. He was already there. He, he, he did as good as he could with the hand he was dealt. And then Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Not too bad for the latest two Andy Reid disciples. That, that's not bad. And, and I feel like a homer here. I'm really not trying to be, but the Kansas City Chiefs, I get it. It was Arizona. Arizona's a very bad team, probably the worst team in the NFL. I understand this. The Chiefs had four quarterbacks with a QBR, with a, with a passer rating, passer rating of 109 or higher. Mahomes was the lowest. At 109. Shane Bouchelle, 10 of 10. Blaine Gabbert, 7 of 8, two touchdowns. I mean, wherever you looked, a star was shining on the field for Kansas City. There's been this talk of two years ago, Tyreek Hill's gone. Last year, Juju Smith-Schuster's here. Now he's gone. Well, the Chiefs have no wide receivers. Okay, Rasheed Rice, 8 of 9, 96 yards. He dropped his first ball. He bounced back. I, I mean, you look around this team, and all they do is find guys that produce. The Buccaneers basically said, Donovan Smith, our offensive line is horrendous, and you still can't come back. So what's he do? Signs a team-friendly deal with Kansas City, and how's he look so far? Like the Donovan Smith of 2021. I've been very impressed with the way Kansas City's culture, the way they're, they're able to identify talent, identify players that might not fit elsewhere. They found Richie James up in New York at a very nice end of the year. But even the Giants said, we don't, we don't, what are we going to do with Richie James? The Chiefs said, all right, we'll take a flyer on him. Now he's the punt returner. 
the Chiefs have done a great job bargain shopping, and so far it's paying off massive dividends. I think at this point, too, you got to wonder, is Shane Bichelle finally going to take the title of best pro athlete in the family? Because his father, Steve Bichelle, played in the major leagues for 12 years, good power hitting third base, and I think with the Rangers, played most of his career. And the Chiefs are one of those teams, every year New England had a guy like that, where you're like, how did the league let New England get that? Like, how did the league let Rasheed Rice go to the Chiefs? How did they let Shane Bichelle go undrafted and then the Chiefs sign him up? Like, I know Bichelle was kind of iffy at Texas, but he was worth a draft pick. And I think Kansas City, for as much as I think I honestly criticize them, because I just thought Chad Henney, I know Chad Henney proved me wrong, but during that era, I'm like, all right, you got to get somebody with a little more a little more gumption than, than Chad Henney to be your backup quarterback if Patrick Mahomes can't play. And for all of Blaine Gabbert's faults, I mean, he's kept bouncing around the league. He's kept working at it, and he's become a serviceable backup. And I think Michelle's really got some talent. So I, I not, think, obviously they're not going to win a Super Bowl. Shane Michelle's a starting quarterback, but it, it wouldn't be a tire fire. It wouldn't be like when Peyton Manning got hurt and then Curtis <laughs> Painter played for the Colts. Yeah. That's not happening. Uh, I do love you're right. The, how did they get that guy? Two more. Justin Ross, undrafted. I know the spinal injury and the foot injury, but you're seeing the early returns already. The Chiefs were able to wait, and he looks like he's going to be a, a impact player this year. Then Trey Smith in the sixth round from Tennessee, the guard. I mean, sometimes you look around and teams are trying to outsmart you saying, hey, there's injury concerns here. Well, why not take a shot in the fifth, sixth, seventh round? Chiefs did, and it's working out very well for them. All right, Mike, loser of the week. Who do you loser have? Loser of the week, and it is through no fault of his own. It is just bad luck. It is DeMarvian Overshown, a rookie linebacker from Texas that I thought legitimately was going to make an impact on this Cowboys defense. I thought he had really good range. I think he played some defensive back in college, so he's got tremendous athletic ability. And then he bulked up to become a linebacker full-time. It was just announced Overshone has an ACL injury, and that is probably the end of his rookie year with the Dallas Cowboys before it even really began. And I'm just I'm heartbroken for the guy because I thought that he was another like late-round steal. I thought he was much better than where he got picked late in the third round. A Texas guy playing for the Cowboys from UT. like He couldn't write the script any better. And then now we got this, and it's another one of those Cowboys banged up linebackers. It's Jalen Smith, it's Jabril Cox, it's Damone Clark. Just throw another one onto the pile. And I hope Overshone ends up better than most of those guys, but, I mean, not the best way to start your career. Uh, biggest loser this week is me. Uh, biggest loser this week is me because I didn't bet on the Commanders to beat the Ravens to snap that streak after I told Ian I was going to do it. Last week on the show, he said he's putting money on the Ravens. And I said, you know what? I'm going against the trend. The Ravens are due to lose. The Ravens are due. I said it was time. I'm putting money on it. And what did I do? Forgot to put money on the game. You You just forgot. (laughs) You know what I did instead? I put it on Bobby Witt Jr. to get two hits. You know what he did instead? One hit and a home run. And I'm just sitting here going, I, I, I can't bet. I, I, I'm, I'm an idiot. I, I'm, a, I'm a buffoon. Um, and, and I needed Ian here to make sure that he would remind me to place money on the Ravens. So the biggest loser is, is me for not going with what I said I was going to do. And Bobby Witt for not coming through, too, in what has been a, a nauseous royal season. So <laughs> <laughs> on top of that, so it's a double whammy of losers. Uh, I, I want to stick with the the Ravens finally falling. 
that streak was phenomenal. It was 24 straight wins for the Baltimore Ravens in the preseason. Washington was able to get it done. We, we mentioned the job that we, we think Eric Bieniemy is doing, just the addition he has brought to that commander's team. But when it comes to the Ravens and that streak, what do you take away from that continued success that they have had in the preseason? Is that a case of they try harder to win games in the preseason? Is it a case of this is sheer luck? Is it a case of they have so much depth consistently year after year that it shines through late in games? What did you take away from the consistent nature of the the Ravens' wins in the preseason? That John Harbaugh still might be the most underrated coach of the last 20 years because every year I feel like I hear John Harbaugh firing rumors then you look up and he wins 11 games and gets in the playoffs. I think part of what makes him so good in this area is I think people forget Harbaugh was a special teams coach with Andy Reid and the Eagles before he came to the Ravens. And – no one goes into football with the intention of being a gunner on a punt team or playing on kick coverage. So you have to deal with four and five star wide receivers playing these sort of roles. You've got to get them to buy in. you got to get them to play hard. And I think that kind of percolates over to this because he's playing with a lot of guys who, even though they were dominant in high school and dominant in college, they're coming in and they're backups and they got to play limited roles and they're just playing their hearts out to make a roster. That's the guys that John Harbaugh made his bones with when he was with the Eagles as a special teams guy. And then now that he comes to Baltimore, I think he's instilled that culture very well. Now, part of it is he had Ozzie Newsome as his GM early on, and that obviously helped with the depth. And Eric DaCosta, I thought, done a fine job in most areas. He can't, he doesn't know wide receivers to save his life, but in most areas, I think he's done a pretty good job of getting depth and knowing where the holes are. So a bit of a combination of both, but I just think John Harbaugh really knows what he's doing. I think he's just a really good leader and, I think history is going to look at Harbaugh more favorably than maybe some guys do now. Uh, I want to get into the big story in the NFL today, and that is all-pro running back Jonathan Taylor has now been granted permission by the Colts to seek a trade. A league source tells ESPN's Adam Schefter yesterday on Monday. Um, The Colts want trade compensation in the realm of a first-round draft pick or a collection of picks that equates to one, the sources said. Um, No offer has materialized as of Monday evening. I'm very intrigued to see the, how this plays out. My initial thought process is, are the Colts basically saying, you know what? We are going to show you what your trade value is. We are going to show you what other teams think you're worth. It's not just us. I know you think we're a bunch of bleep holes. You, I know you think that we're a bunch of, uh, of, of bad guys who are trying to bring your value down. You are a running back coming off of a major injury. Your value is not very high. Teams aren't going to trade for you and then in return make you the highest paid running back in football. Good luck with that. I wonder how much of that is going on in regard to the Colts finally saying, you know what? Yeah, go try and find a trade partner. What are your thoughts here? Well, he's also a running back that's averaged 5.1 yards per carry for his career and was second offensive player of the year voting uh, in 2021. What drives me crazy as such a pro running back guy is I just think this The whole running back debate is the clearest example that I can find in sports right now of real labor suppression because all these metrics and stuff that show like, oh, don't pay a running back. Like owners aren't going like, oh, wow, wow, what a smart PFF formula right there that really opened my eyes. They're going, oh, great. We can pay guys less. That that's where the debate is coming from. And I think there's almost some sort of, it reminds me of 1980s baseball where owners would just say, Hey, don't offer any of our free agents money. That way they have to all come back to us. They actually got sued for that. 
I feel like that's what a lot of teams are doing where they're saying, all right, we're not going to offer you any of your running backs big money. We saw it with Saquon. We saw it with Josh Jacobs. And they'll have to come crawling back to you because they want to play football because they're football players and want to make money. And they saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell, and they don't want that to be them. And they're just driving the, the salaries down because but, like but, but 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 wouldn't Le'Veon Bell be a perfect example of why owners aren't going to do this? Why Todd Gurley is an example of why owners aren't going to do this. Well, why there's also look- like Marshawn Lynch and other guys like that, where if you pay him, then it ends up working out fantastically. It just depends on the player. And a lot of that too is guys just get hurt and you can't predict injuries like i know running backs get hurt a lot but frank gore played till he was 37 and he never really got hurt yeah but but don't use the outliers you see you don't want to use the outliers use the base case okay throw out the the highs and you can throw out the lows if you want to then if that that makes it better if you want to throw out the todd Gurley's and the Le'Veon bells then that's fine too but what you're left with is a position where there's so much talent in there how much does a difference um let's just say a difference between let's say alvin kamara and Aaron Jones. What, what, what's the difference in, in the player there? Because quite frankly, you can make the case that right now Aaron Jones has been better than Alvin Kamara, and that's been on a, quite frankly, a cheaper deal. And then you go down. How much better is Aaron Jones than, let's just say, easy easy enough, let's say Isaiah Pacheco. Well, and that, That's a seventh-round rookie running back. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. You can find these rookie running backs late on in the draft. And you'll find value. You go through the Super Bowl winning teams. Which one of them have a offense that's predicated around a superstar running back? You don't see that anymore. So teams are saying, hey, I know these are great players. But is it worth sinking this much money in to a position that does not move the needle that much? Well, two reasons why I think the culture should are out of their minds for doing this. Number one is... Running back production, I think, can be replaceable in that, like, if you want to find a guy who can just plot his way to a thousand yards, like, I think there's a ton of really good running backs out there. Was it all all guy or Alger for the Falcons? Another fifth round guy who had a thousand yards, like, like at a base level of production. If you have a good offensive line, like, if you want to call that replaceable, sure. Healthy Jonathan Taylor ran for eighteen hundred yards with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. Like, you can't just find that. You can't like no running back. The Colts are going to add this year. What if they get rid of Jonathan Taylor is going to be anywhere close to Jonathan Taylor. Sure. And then, and then of course, if they want to draft a replacement, it's well, don't pick a running back high. So like there's not, there's, there's a bunch of good running backs out there. There's no Jonathan Taylor's. There's very few Saquon Barkley's or Josh Jacobs. They're not out there. And number two is he's going, Jonathan Taylor right now is on a team with a rookie coach. Shane Steichen, who also runs the ball a hell of a lot because he was the Eagles guy with Jalen Hurts, and he's been a pretty good developer of running backs, and a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson. Like, if the thing is always, oh, we want to build a really good team around our quarterback on a rookie deal and then pay him when he deserves it, like, this is what you, these are the guys you pay on a on a rookie deal. You don't get rid of him now. They're doing it backwards. This is about the one team you look at and say they probably should be the team to pay for Jonathan Taylor. Exactly. Again, I'm not saying I, again. If I'm building the team, running back is about the last spot I'm taking a look at. Okay. Okay. That that that's just how I'm building the team. But when you have, let's just again say you're doing a draft. You have your rookie quarterback. Well. You're going to want to get a running back. You're going to want to pay the the high-end running backs and try and keep them there because you can afford that right now. You have multi-years left of Anthony Richardson on a rookie contract. 
right? You have that uh, fifth-year option, which is a first-round pick. You have a long time to decide. You're not giving Jonathan Taylor a five-year contract. Anyways, you're probably getting three, four, probably four the most. So that contract's going to be off the books by the time you have to pay Andy Richardson anyways. If there is a team that it makes sense to pay a running back, you're right. It actually might be the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is when I'm looking at the trade market, I mean – like there really aren't a t- not the teams don't want Jonathan Taylor because I think teams would if they they don't want to obviously pay him the money is the big thing I think teams acknowledge Jonathan Taylor is a pretty good player like I'm looking around the league I can't find a ton really the only two spots that I looked at and I thought that I think they could definitely make a move for him number one would be Minnesota because even though they got rid of Dalvin Cook I mean I think that even Dalvin Cook right now would tell you Jonathan Taylor is an upgrade and I think he's a guy worth paying for and a Sean McVay disciple offense that's gonna run the ball a lot alexander madison probably a very nice guy i don't know i've never met him he seems like a nice guy but he's nowhere near close to either of those two guys as a starting talent and then the eagles because the eagles i think just they've drafted insanely well in the last few years they have deandre swift there and i think that deandre swift's probably going to be in for a pretty big year as the kind of the top dog there but i don't think howie roseman's going to look at a guy like taylor available see the idea to run jalen hurts and Jonathan Taylor all the time in the same game and think you, you, we don't need that. It just see, it just seems very obvious to me. What I find interesting is the culture saying, Hey, we don't think this guy's that valuable but based on what they are saying, their words, Jim Ursay, all of this stuff. And then you hear reports for a first round draft pick and I get it. What are the Colts going to say? Yeah, we want a fourth. I understand that aspect of it. They're not going to say, yeah, we want a third, we want a fourth. They're going to obviously ask high and then potentially come down. But there is that little oxymoron, if you will, of this guy's not valuable. Now give us the most valuable pick you have. I just find multiple valuable picks. (laughs) All right. When it's all said and done, does Jonathan Taylor play this year? And if so, for who? I think he just ends up coming back to the Colts. I think right now this seems just very like, you know, bitter feuding couples who eventually are probably going to get a divorce, but they just are going to at least try couples therapy and see if it works right now. I think they're in that sort of stage right now where there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a huge pissing match between both of them. And I think eventually they're going to be like, all right, let's just play this year. Let's just cool things off and then revisit it later. Almost what the Jets did with Elijah Moore when the Jets were five and two and Elijah Moore's like, I don't get the ball enough. They're like, all right, you can complain all you want. Just play this season, shut up, and then we'll probably trade you later. Just not in the season, just be quiet. Like, I think that's probably yeah. what's going to end up happening. I think it's a very apt description right there. <laughs> very apt. Uh, all right, let's get into Trey Lance. Finally starting to look a little better. Um I've always been a pretty big Trey Lance supporter. I think what he has the potential to do is open up the 49ers offense, unlike any quarterback they've had in a long, long time. He is clearly a very raw quarterback. Uh, I thought I saw a stat where Geno Smith last year had more pass attempts than Trey Lance has had in any of his college or professional career. That was in one season for Tom Gene Brady that, had more last year than high school, college, and pros combined. For Trey Lance. And, and that's just again what 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 goes into Trey Lance. You see the high end talent, you see the potential, but when you don't have the opportunity, especially in a game setting, it's very difficult to get better. He threw an interception early, early on uh, on a screen pass, first possession of the game. 
but then threw up a 22-yard touchdown pass and then two huge passes to set up a game-winning kick. Trey Lance is starting to show some signs of improvement. I think it's probably too late this year for him. I think Brock Purdy, by all accounts, will be the starter. But I'm starting to get more enthused that Trey Lance can still revitalize his career, if not in San Fran, at least somewhere else. I liked Trey Lance as a prospect, but when he even got picked number three overall, like it still confused me because if you just – I know he's got the rocket arm and he's fast. I think the 40 times are a little misleading. I've heard Trey Lance is probably a little slower than like the 40 times would, would, would tell you. But if you just said we're going to take a guy who is an FCS guy, North Dakota State, who runs the ball like 70% of the time, they are a punch-you-in-the-mouth, eye-formation Run the ball team. They're they're not like this big futuristic offense where he's learning all these complicated concepts. And then you're gonna go and after he didn't play that one, you remember COVID, he only played like that one little showcase game. And then the Niners take him. And then he said, You gotta learn a Kyle Shanahan offense, which is basically like a theoretical physics doctorate in terms of how complicated it is for an NFL quarterback. I mean, God, you ever heard a play call from one of those offenses? I mean, there's like 12 terms you gotta memorize. <laughs> It, the other thing, too, that frustrates me about Lance is it's not like the picks or anything like that or even the inaccuracy. It's if you watch him. There's a lot of times where guys are just wide open. He's looking at him and then patting the ball doesn't let it go. Brock Purdy is a very limited quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is a very limited quarterback. Guys open, they throw it to him. And that's why Kyle Shanahan liked him and went to bat for him so many times. Is Kyle Shanahan set up this system. I feel like he almost wants to be the quarterback. Kyle Shanahan, he's living vicariously, and he's like, I can see that that guy's open. I would throw it to him. Jimmy Garoppolo makes that throw. Brock Purdy makes that throw. Sometimes Trey Lance doesn't. And Mm. I think he's just – I think he's talented, and I think some team will definitely give him a second chance. I just feel like he's kind of run out of road. And John Lynch better – whatever he prays to religious-wise, he better say a prayer or do a rosary or whatever that he still had – the fact that he's drafted so well – Outside of that, like that trade is the kind of mega bomb that ends careers where you don't even get like an assistant scouting job after that. If you move <laughs> the, heaven and earth to and those picks to go and get a guy, he starts what four games, and in year three, like he's not even a thought of beating out the 262nd overall pick. And the like, he, it's not even being entertained. He might even be the third quarterback behind Sam Darnold. Like, uh, he's been a pretty good GM, but that is a titanic, unforced error by the 49ers. Uh, heading to Tampa Bay, they have now named Baker Mayfield the starting quarterback. Kyle Trask was starting to look better. He had a brutal preseason game one, looked a lot better uh, preseason game two, but they're going to go with Baker Mayfield. This is the first time they've had a legitimate open tryout for the starting quarterback because they wanted Kyle Trask to have a uh, opportunity after sitting behind Brady and then obviously Blaine Gabbert. But they went with Baker. They went with the veteran. This to me is a little bit of a head-scratching move. The Bucks aren't good, okay? Make no mistake. Bucks aren't good. Why not go with Kyle Trask? If you have any inkling that he can be your future starting quarterback, you have to give him the chance. And you have to have that happen in game real action. The, it, it, not in the preseason. In the regular season, Baker Mayfield isn't doing you anything. Like, I, I'm, I'm happy for Baker. I'm happy he gets another opportunity. I get all that. The Bucs aren't good. 
They're not a good team. Well, I guess maybe the thought process is no one else in the NFC South is any good. So they're like, hey, if Baker, because remember in Cleveland, he would just go on these five, six game hot stretches where he just couldn't throw a pick at all. They're like, you know, what? maybe if he just gets hot and we go like four and two at one point in a tough part of the schedule, like, I don't know, maybe that'll be enough to kind of stumble into the playoffs with nine wins. I guess that's the thought. I don't know how nine wins is winning that division. Nine wins is is cruising through that division. My, my, my point here is even with Baker, even with a hot streak, they ain't getting the nine wins. Now, I'm sure this is going to be clipped and put on the whole hot takes or cold takes exposed. I get that. But my point here is with Kyle Trask, if you have an inkling, make him the starter to see if he grows or if he crumbles. You know what happens? Congratulations. You just got Caleb Williams. That, this is what I would do. And again, I'm not saying it's a tank job. I'm not trying to tank if I'm the if I'm from the Buccaneers, but you know what you have in Baker. And unless you think he's about to put on a Geno Smith in Seattle Seahawks type performance, I just don't get this. I could be wrong, but I believe this is Baker Mayfield's eighth offensive coordinator in six NFL seasons. Oh. So you want to talk about a guy not having consistency. And first off, he had Hugh Jackson. He had Freddie Kitchens. He had Kevin Stefanski. Then he goes to Matt Rule, Sean McVay, now Todd Bowles. So six coaches, eight offensive coordinators in six seasons. I mean, it, I don't care how good you are. Frankly, it's impossible to win when you got to just, all right, remember everything you learned last year? Throw it out. New stuff. <laughs> it's difficult. And I think just on a base level, like, I think Baker Mayfield is kind of a fringe starter in this league. Like, I mean, no one doubts he's got arm talent. No one doubts he can make plays. Like, like if you put him in an offense that's still got Evans and Godwin, I think the offensive line is not amazing, but I still think it's pretty above average for the rest of the league. Like Tampa's not going to be great. I don't think they're going to be like Caleb Williams, Drake May level. And I think maybe this is an indictment of Trask because I think maybe mm-hmm. if, if in their minds, if they're putting Trask out there, they're like, all right, we're just punting on the season, which is not good for someone you picked in the second round two years ago or three years ago. But, I mean, I a lot of guys. I got to give credit to the NFL film guys on Twitter and the draft guys on Twitter. They were they were out on Trask before everybody else because they saw a guy who was not mobile, a guy who really only had one year of great production, and for a guy who's big, I mean, six five, two forty, like he really doesn't have like a rocket arm, kind of like a checkdown guy. So, I think they just thought, you know what, if we can't in good conscience say we're going to try and make an effort this year and start Kyle Trask, like for. Better or worse, Baker Mayfield will get hot a couple times and win you a couple games, and I guess that's better than just completely punting on everything before the season even starts. I think teams might see what happened in Seattle and say, hey, that could be us. No one thinks we're going to win. Like I don't think the Buccaneers are a good team, but I didn't think Seattle was a good team last year. I was a fan of saying, hey, maybe let Drew Locke start for the exact same reason. Maybe you find out if you have a uh, the quarterback of your future – or you have a high draft pick. Well, they proved me wrong. It worked with Geno well, Smith. The difference with Geno Smith, though, Geno Smith was in, in that Seattle team for years, was in the same offense, the Shane Waldron. He had that a couple of years ago. Like He kind of knew what was going on. He knew all the players. He had chemistry. He'd been there a long time. Like That's, I think, a little different than Baker Mayfield, who's just almost at this point like a mercenary and a wandering Ronin just signing one-year deals with teams that aren't supposed to be any good. So I think I don't think he's going to be Geno Smith level good this year. I think he'll be fine because I mean that's kind of what he was for most of his career was fine. 
But, you know, I don't think Fine will win you that division. I don't think Fine will get you the number one pick either. Uh, I will also want to point out, Baker Mayfield is only three years older than Kyle Trask. What? Baker Mayfield just looked it up as 28. <laughs> isn't Stetson Bennett and Lamar Jackson? Isn't Lamar Jackson younger than Stetson Bennett? Uh, that might be the case. I, I, but but Baker Mayfield being 28, it's not a, oh, Sterling, his birthday's in a week. His birthday's in April. I mean, he, he's 28 years old. And he just and so, he has a weather-beaten face for an NFL quarterback, man. I mean, he has been through he's been through a lot. <laughs> so so if you want to think of it this way, Baker Mayfield still could be the quarterback of the future, very unlikely as it may be. Being 28 years old, and you're seeing the the age that quarterbacks progress, he should be entering his NFL prime. They always say about 28, it's a little different than than a lot of other sports or a lot of other positions. You're running back, you're, you're about done by 28. If you're a quarterback, you're entering about your prime. So if you want to take it that way, if you're the Buccaneers saying, hey, we, we may have found something here. It's not just a one-year deal with Baker. We think he could be the guy for five years. Well, then maybe it makes a little bit of sense. I will always point out, I hate the way Baker Mayfield was treated by Cleveland because if that was the case, if he knew what was going on there, I don't think he played through that shoulder injury. I personally don't think he's ever been the same since that injury. I distinctly remember him playing through that injury, and instead of going out of bounds, he took on a guy, and he hit the exact same shoulder. And I'm sitting here going, that's not good. Very next to was a few more games, and he's done. They ship him out. They bring in Deshaun Watson. And I don't think he plays for that injury. And I definitely don't think he initiates contact on that same shoulder if he knows the way it's going to go down. Because he was not taken care of, and he has not been the same since. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do we get into okay. divisional rankings now? Do we get into our divisional standings? I would say that's a pretty good idea. All right, divisional standings. Let's get into it. Uh, let's start in the AFC going west to east. AFC West, who do you have, Mike? I mean, I feel like this one's pretty obvious. It's the Kansas City Chiefs, is it not? Uh, now, I, I, feel, I really feel bad for the Chargers, like, like genuinely, because you go from Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert. And after all those years of elite quarterback play, you're like, finally, this is going to be our division to run. And nope, Patrick Mahomes for 10 years or 15 years or longer, whoever. So the Chargers, I think, are still going to be a good team. I think they actually may have the best record of any wild card team in the AFC. So I think they're going to be fine. The Chargers are going to be an okay team, but it's Kansas City's division. It's Kansas City's conference until proven otherwise. Knock them off. Maybe they have an 11 and six year or 10 and seven year. Like, give me some reason to doubt them because I've doubted them in the past and they've shut me up emphatically, especially that defense. It mostly was the defense. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, what are you going to say about Patrick Mahomes at this point? So they'll be there. I think Denver, Denver, I think will be slightly improved, 
even though I think Sean Payton is kind of a, a PR merchant who's one of the most overrated coaches in some time because, well, I mean, all right, look. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm, hey, he's got as many rings as Mike McCarthy. That was like, the exact point. And he had Drew Brees all the time. He only got to one. Like, let's, I mean, I remember every year it would be 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 3. Losing the NFC Championship game. I mean, one year it was the Rams with that pass interference penalty that was totally not his fault. So I'll, I'll I'll absolve him for that. But I think Denver will be better. The Raiders, I honestly think, could be in like the Caleb Williams, uh, Drake May race, which is sad for Devontae Adams, a guy who's really good and works really hard and wants to win. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go play with my buddy, Derek Carr, on a team that I grew up rooting for, the Raiders. And then Josh McDaniels has a pissing match with Derek Carr. And then what do you know, Derek Carr's out of here, and Devontae Adams is left going, well, what am I doing here? So, poor guy. I think there's some good players on the Raiders, but I think it might just be better to be like, you know what, let's run Jimmy Garoppolo and his broken foot that we still don't even know if it's any good or not. And then maybe we'll get Caleb Williams or Drake May, because there's no way you can go toe-to-toe with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes this year and really compete with them. And I love Max Crosby. I love the competitor that is Max Crosby. I, I know it's probably hard to say as a Chiefs fan, but I, I think he brings so much to the table, and I, I appreciate that passion he he exudes each and every snap. Uh, but the Raiders are not good. The Broncos, I don't think, are good. The Broncos' defense is really good, but I truthfully believe that Russell Wilson is cooked. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to be a hot take artist. I just don't think Russell Wilson's good. Like, I think he is done. And Sean Payton is going to have egg on his face because after he called out the previous regime saying, no, no way Russell Wilson has felt a clip like that. Hey, Sean, he fell off a cliff like that. Good luck with it now. Peyton now Manning fell you. off a cliff like that. It happens. It just, it just does. And yeah. so have fun. I don't think the Broncos are very good. I think they missed the playoffs. I think the AFC is too deep. They might win eight games, nine tops. Uh, that defense, I think, is actually legitimately good. Okay, like I, I'm a huge fan of that defense. I think the offense, though, stays pretty similar. It will be an improvement. He is a better head coach than Nathaniel Hackett. Don't get it twisted. I still think he's in the ilk of the Andy Reid's, the Bill Belichick's, and Denver fans and New Orleans fans want to make you believe he is. The Chargers are an interesting concept. You almost have to take into account injury. Like, I hate doing that, but they are perpetually injured. It's what they do. They collapse in big moments. They collapse in big games. They have been picked year after year to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs. They just don't do it. Until they do, why pick them? I have the Chiefs uh, as the one, Chargers two, Broncos three, Raiders four. So we're aligned on that. And also Brandon Staley, I just don't think, is a a mental giant who's a great coach. I think he's just a dude. So a total NPC coach who won't make a difference, which you need a difference maker coach. Let's get into the AFC South. What do you have for the AFC South? I am going to go with Jacksonville winning the division because the prince who was promised Trevor Lawrence looked like who we thought Trevor Lawrence would be. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender yet. I think they're like a year away. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be huge for them. I think they need like one or two more years of adding guys, but I really think Trevor Lawrence kind of showed what he could be. I think Doug Peterson was a great hire in terms of making an environment where he could be successful. I like the pieces that they got around him. I thought even though it's Trent Bulky, I thought some of the guys they drafted were pretty good. I think Trayvon Walker is finally going to have the breakout year. Like he's too F- – there's no way you could be that athletic and get three sacks every year where you're 270 and you run a 4-5-1 and then you're just like a rotational lineman. There's, I, I refuse to believe that that is Trayvon Walker's future. 
Now, after that, it's a weird miasma of what's going on. Uh, I still think the Titans are going to be second, and actually, I think the Titans might compete for a wild card spot, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but Ryan Tannehill, with all those awful receivers, he was throwing at guys who were like working at UPS right now, I think, last year. I mean, he was like 7-4, and 7-5 and five when he started, and then Malik Willis and uh, Josh Dobbs, I think they were winless or maybe won one game out of six when they started. So when Tannehill's healthy, for all their faults, they keep winning games. I just think Vrabel is probably a top five, I think it's fair to say now, coach in the league. Like I know there's guys like Belichick where they're just like best emeritus until he retires, but like in terms of the last couple of years and what he's got, I thought Mike Vrabel was phenomenal. And I think he'll do another good job this year. In terms of Houston and Indy fighting for the bottom spot, I think Houston, this is maybe a hot take. I think they'll get the third spot over the Colts, who are going to be in last. Uh, it's the same sort of situation. you know. New coach, rookie quarterback, defense is kind of a mess right now, but I just really am all in on D'Amico Ryans. I think he's a terrific coach and leader. I think he's a good defensive mind, and obviously bringing some of the San Francisco guys with him to, uh, to Houston as his par for the course whenever they hire a Shanahan guy. I think that's good infrastructure. And I think C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback than Anthony Richardson. Even though I like Anthony Richardson, I just am I'm all in on Stroud. So I'm going to go give him the number three spot here. You and I are in massive agreement. Uh, I was shocked uh, that we are in this much of agreement, but I am. Uh, Jags are, are winning um, this division. But I do think the Titans are going to make it a little interesting. Mike Rabel is such a damn good head coach. I get it. There's not a lot of talent on that team. But it hasn't been the most talented team in the past, and they still find ways to win. Got to give them a ton of credit. People uh, forget, too, in two straight years, their first-round picks were Isaiah Wilson, who, I mean, he played, what, four snaps? And then he like tried to be a rapper and got arrested, and they cut him like six weeks in. That was a first-round pick. And then Caleb Farley with, I think, his brittle bone disease. Like, they just didn't draft very well, and he still kept winning. I like Houston. I'm with you. C.J. Stroud was my favorite quarterback coming out of that draft, which is weird to pick an Ohio State guy, but that's the way I saw it. I think C.J. Stroud is a difference maker at quarterback, and I love Will Anderson, man. Um, Had a chance to interview Will Anderson, and you can see why they would trade up to get Will Anderson. That is a building block. That is a piece. That is a dude. That is a dude. And you saw him in the preseason. I get it. It's the preseason. That was a Jadavian Clowney at South Carolina type of play he made. Watch out for Will Anderson. I, again, I'm not saying the, uh, the, uh, the Texans are good, but I'm saying they're going to surprise some people by maybe winning six games, and they're going to be in a lot of games. Do you know what Will Anderson's stats were his sophomore year at Alabama as a defensive end? Mm-hmm. 101 tackles and 17 and a half sacks. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> And then obviously he was getting doubled every play last year. So he had a, a pathetic 10 sacks, but I mean, he, this dude is, he I think, is a I, legitimate I think people issue. realize he's like all time good. I think as a defensive end, just a prospect. I think he's in that like miles Garrett clowny tier. I'm with you, man. hundred percent. Let's get into the AFC North AFC North. What do you have? I got actually, uh, maybe this is controversial. I got Baltimore mm. taking on the AFC North title. The very, very narrowly over Cincinnati. Like whoever loses that's going to be one of the wild card teams, I think is fair to say. Uh I just think that Lamar Jackson who has re- I think Eric DeCosta is a good GM. I think he's good at finding like depth pieces. 
my one fault with him and with John Harbaugh is they just didn't understand how dire things were offensively. They kept dumb Greg Roman around, who was running 300-pound fullback Pat Ricard, like split out at wideout and had him running routes, and had the most basic, boring, vanilla passing scheme for their MVP quarterback. Now they got Todd Munkin, who is 11 personnel. We're chucking bombs. Like That's going to be a huge improvement. Cincinnati, really good 1-53. to Burrow's great. Chase is great. That gives you just a high enough floor. Uh, Cleveland third, I think, because Deshaun Watson was, I think, just really rusty last year for not having played for all the obvious nefarious reasons that have been very well documented why Deshaun Watson didn't play. Deshaun Watson, regrettably, is a good quarterback, and I think he'll, uh, I think he'll play better this year. And I think Cleveland's roster with guys like Nick Chubb is just talented enough where they're going to win probably like nine games, I think. And then Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin's great, T.J. Watt's great. Kenny Pickett is playing well in the preseason, but let me see it in the regular season first before I really go all in on Kenny Pickett. Um, I have the Bengals winning this division. Um, I thought about the Ravens. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was interesting because Lamar Jackson went healthy. That's what they've been. They've been the one seed, but they healthy Lamar Jackson. But at some point, I have to sit here and say, is Lamar Jackson going to play the entire season? Is he going to be healthy? Maybe is with the new offensive system. Tyler Huntley. <laughs> no, he's as the backup. <laughs> uh, I will say with the new system, maybe that does help Lamar Jackson stay a little healthier. If he, they're focusing more on him as a passer instead of a runner, maybe that actually helps him stay healthier. We will see. I think they just miss out. I think the Bengals get that that one seed uh, in this division. Uh, and then I think the Ravens come home with two. I think they do make the playoffs. They're a wild card team. I actually have the, the Steelers at three. I, I'm higher on Kenny Pickett. Now, he needs to stop, and I'm, I was sick of last year. They kept saying, well, you know, that was a maybe non-interceptable ball that just got intercepted. I'm like, no, that was a bad throw that was picked off. He just threw that thing up there. That needs to come down, but what you can't teach sometimes to these guys is being aggressive at quarterback. You see so many times quarterbacks who have arm talent just check down. You see it with Justin Herbert too much, and it makes me angry. I'm like, Herbert, you're too good. Well, that was Joe cool. Lombardi being a, being a mess. We'll see. By the way, Joe Lombardi's Russell Wilson's coordinator now too. So oh, that's brutal. Working with Sean uh, Payton. So, <laughs> but, but 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 to me, I think Kenny Pickett has a little bit of that. You know what? I'm going to try and make a play, and he's got some receivers who can make some plays. So I actually have the Steelers probably at nine and eight, and they're my three. And I think the Browns are at eight and nine. They're my four. I think that's pretty fair. I just I don't like Deshaun Watson, but I mean, the guy's good. I just can't. He's not going to be seven touchdowns, five picks again. Yeah. Uh, AFC East, what do you have? AFC East, I might lose my Jets card. I still got Buffalo. Still got Buffalo as the top dog. Again, narrowly. Like maybe if Buffalo wins 12 games, Jets win 11. I think that's kind of where they're at. The Jets have some big holes. I think the offensive line is still not very good at all. They're moving pieces around to a frightening degree. Like Mekhi Becton might start at right tackle, despite the fact he's played like 30 snaps there in the preseason which is kind of alarming for a guy who also gets hurt all the time. Uh, and the secondary, like the corners are great. The safeties are still a big question mark. But when you have Aaron Rodgers and you have Dalvin Cook and you have Garrett Wilson, that just gives you so much firepower. I think they'll be right behind Buffalo and Josh Allen, who's going to be great again. Uh, Miami's in third. Tua is better than all you know. the internet says he is. I do, th- and I think when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, it's so easy for a guy like Mike McDaniel to just drop all these crazy fun plays. 
They'll be hard to stop, even though their defense is not very good and Jalen Ramsey's out. New England last, which it's tough to say about Bill Belichick. And I think they'll be better than last year offensively, because I think Bill, Bill O'Brien's in. For all his faults, that like the dude's a real coach and a real offensive coordinator who can like operate a scheme. Like for all of his faults, like it's not Matt Patricia. I think Joe Judge was also like, yeah, kind of the offensive coordinator, but didn't he didn't call him that. And every time he got called on, he's like, "What do you care?" It's like, well, it's a pretty simple question here, Bill. Like it's it's better than better than that. But again, uh, after Matt Jones regressed hard last year, like he's got to prove it to me all over again. I hate that I agree with you again. I, I want to have some arguments with you. I want to fight. I want to throw some hands. But man, <laughs> I'm with Cincinnati. You. That was like it. That, that was the only one really that's been been a, a huge game changer. Uh, but yeah, I think the Bills uh, win the AFC East. I think the Jets come in second. I'm a huge Jets guy right now. I think what they're doing is is fun, man. They're going all in for Aaron Rodgers. They never. We didn't see this in Green Bay. But we're seeing it now with the Jets. And, and he rewarded them. He took that huge pay cut. He's like, I'll save some money for you guys. I, I was shocked that even happened. But the one question mark I have is that offensive line. It's great when you have all this talent. But if you don't have time, it ain't going to work. So we have to see what the Jets do on the offensive line. We won't get a great feel until the regular season's underway. It might take four or five games before we really have a great understanding. But that defense also is electric. For the same thing I said about Denver. You know how great that defense is? I had the same thoughts about the Jets. It's electric. They're extremely, extremely talented. So the Jets second, Miami third. I think Miami is, is pushing for a wild card spot. Um, I do have a lot of questions health-wise with Tua, obviously. I think it's a very fair, fair question to have. Um, but their team has gotten better. That defense was atrocious last year. It's going to be pretty good this year potentially for Miami uh adding Jalen Ramsey I know he's injured he's going to miss some time but I'm also a huge fan of Jalen Phillips the defensive end I think he is a game changer watch out for him on Miami uh and then fourth is clearly the Patriots talent wise talent wise and you just never know with Bill I, with that one comment you said though when you were like I hope the Jets doesn't take you know four or five weeks to figure it out have you seen the Jets schedule early on it's they go Buffalo Dallas New England Philly right off the bat that is like if your offensive line's not figured out that's going to be a problem they oh, might start you, billy turner the chiefs too. Parsons. what chiefs are in there too oh chiefs yeah and the chiefs after that, <laughs> i think they i think they have a i think they play the giants and they play the chargers after that like really the all like the games are supposed to win easy it's like you know atlanta washington houston that's like all december yeah but like early uh, on it is a gauntlet I like this from John. The AFC just keeps getting better and better. Very true. And Jets stacking the deck, not stacking the box, stacking the deck uh, with you with you there, John. They have a, a loaded, loaded team. Let's head to the NFC. NFC, let's start with the NFC West. Um, it's, it's the Niners. Come on. It's the Niners. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Niners and then the Seahawks. This is probably the easiest division, I think, to figure out where it's Niners one, Seattle two, Rams three, Cardinals four. Cardinals are, might get not only might they get the number one pick, but if Houston stinks, they might get the top two picks because yeah. the Will Anderson trade. I think they're almost banking on that. Where they're, where they're like, look, let's be awful. We'll find a way to offload Kyler. We'll get Caleb Williams, and then new era with Jonathan Gannon. Uh, what I, what I find interesting with um, the Rams is some people are really high on them, and some people are really low on them. 
I'm pretty low on them. I know they still have Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford's back and Cooper Cup. They they still can't run the football. That offensive line is not fixed. They've lost a lot of big pieces on defense. You see Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford and say, how bad could they be? And I'm sitting here going, I think they're bad. Like, I, I think that's a bad team. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they, they come out and they win nine games. But I know the NFC is bad in general, so maybe that happens. But I would be shocked. I just don't think the Rams are a good team. Do you know who is starting at linebacker right now for the Rams? Their starting linebackers are Michael Hoked, Christian Roseboom, and Ernest Jones. I do not believe Christian Roseboom is a real player. I think that's a fake person. <laughs> Ernest Sorry, Jones Christian, has if you're listening. <laughs> Ernest has been there a while, so I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, Ernest Jones is legit. Um, <laughs> but that was a pretty easy division to go through. NFC South. Now, this might be the most convoluted one where you could probably pick any of the four teams. If you give me a good reason why, I might entertain it. What do you have in the uh, NFC South? I got Saints one. I'm a big Derek Carr guy. Like even before when the, when it didn't look like Aaron Rodgers was a possibility for the Jets, I was all in on Derek Carr as the guy you got to get for your quarterback. I thought he got a raw deal in Vegas. I thought that he was not supported properly. I think he'll do pretty well with the Saints, who again have a pretty good baseline to work with. Even with Alvin Kamara suspended, I like their offense. I like some of the guys they got uh, in the front seven. Atlanta too. Because people made it seem like Atlanta was just this unwatchable dreck last year. I mean, they won seven games and barely lost a couple of other ones. Like, Arthur Smith's a good coach. He's got these guys in it. I'm a big Desmond Ritter fan. I thought he was QB1 in 2022. I thought that he should have been a first-round pick. I thought he was more deserving of being a first-round pick than Kenny Pickett, based on his film. So I'm, I'm, I'm big on Ritter. I think that they also have B. John Robinson, too, for a coach who likes to run the ball and help Derrick Henry get 2,000 yards. That's going to be a huge addition for them. So Atlanta 2, I'm going to probably say Tampa 3, Carolina 4. I wasn't as high on Bryce Young as everybody else was. I think they traded a lot to get him. You know, DJ Moore, who would have been his best receiver, and then all those picks. And again, this isn't really Frank Reich's fault because I like Reich. I just think that Matt Rule left them in such disarray. It's going to take a pretty long time to kind of dig out from under that. It's almost like watching the end of the Urban Meyer Jaguars. Like, that's what I kind of feel like we're kind of starting with here. I think next year they'll definitely be a lot better. But for right now, I don't know if I'm too high on them. I got Saints one. I like Derek Carr. I'm with you. They have some really good wide receivers with Chris Olave. Michael Thomas looks pretty good so far, at least early on. Their defense is always extremely, extremely solid. Still a lot of talent there. And their offensive line is a good offensive line. I know it's preseason. I understand all this stuff. But they diced up the Chiefs. Their first team diced up the Chiefs' first team. Again, no Chris Jones. I get all that. But the Saints look good, okay? There's something to prove. And I think they're going to be a pretty good team. Uh, second action of Carolina. I, hmm. I, I'm higher on Carolina than most. I think they have a, well, yes, no DJ Moore. They supplemented a lot of players on that defense and offense. I, I, I'm pretty convinced this Carolina team is not good. But if, if they won nine games, I would not be shocked. Again, they're not winning nine in the AFC. It's, again, the caveat. They're playing in the lesser division. And not just the lesser division. They're playing in the NFC South. Okay. That helps them. The, so the, I mystique of, the mystique of Bryce Young got ruined for me because I was watching just like just some pictures going around when he was playing the Jets. And he was standing in the pocket and he was standing on his tippy toes. 
looking like scanning the field. I'm like, okay, I don't know if a quarterback can stand on his tippy toes, and, and <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work. Dog, Kyler's <laughs> tiny too. It doesn't matter how you get it done as long as you get it done. Uh, we'll see. But I got Carolina two. Uh, I have Atlanta three, uh, and then I have Tampa four. Heading to the NFC North. What do you have in the NFC North? I'm going to go Vikings one, Lions two. I know the Lions are kind of the flavor of the month kind of team. I mean, they're in the kickoff game. They're projected to win the division. I think they'll be a wild card team. I, I really like Ben Johnson as an offensive coordinator. I think Jared Goff is like Derek Carr where he got kind of an unfair deal from the rest of the league. I think he's a very good quarterback. I like some of the pieces they got, but the defense is a lot better. Let me get that. The defense is a lot better. They got year two of Aiden Hutchinson. They got some new faces in there on the coaching staff, but the Vikings won 13 games last year, and I think they were the first team ever to win 13 games with a defense that was ranked like 30th or below. Her. I think that was the I think that was the first one. And Kirk Cousins is still there. I know Madison stinks as a running back, but I feel like he'll I feel like he'll get close to a thousand yards. I think just because of how they run the ball. I think how the offensive line kind of has improved lately. And again, Justin Jefferson, front runner for offensive player of the year again. I mean. If it comes down to like some Vikings Lions games twice a year, I mean, how the hell are they gonna stop Justin Jefferson? I think that's a big weapon that you need to account for. And then I got uh Chicago three, Green Bay four. Not even necessarily because I think Jordan Love will be bad, because I don't. I think he'll be fine. Although you are basically going off, you know, 2018 Utah State film to justify it because he was bad the last year and then he hadn't played for three years. So you're going off 2018 Utah State film. Uh I think mostly it'll just because Justin Fields will take a huge step forward. I thought that he – I think he's got actual receivers around him now. I think Luke Getze was a little overmatched as an OC year one. He'll be better year two. And then you got a defense that has Tremaine Edmonds and a bunch of other guys that are brought in by a defensive coach, Matt Aberflus. So through no fault of Jordan Love, I think the Bears will just be a lot better this year. Yeah, I, I think the NFC North is the most – consistently solid division in the NFC. Like the NFC East, as we'll get to, obviously it's the Eagles and Cowboys, but the NFC North, it has four teams who I think are pretty darn good, uh, at least solid. When I mean, when I say good, that might not be the right word. I, th- I think they're really solid. Um, the Lions winning, okay? The Lions, they were top five last year in so many offensive categories. Uh, DVOA, yards per game, points per game, that continues um are the vikings coming in second a close second i like kirk cousins a lot um but i don't think they're as complete based on that defense i think the the lions defense is going to take a massive step forward that's where i'm finding the 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 differentiator right there is between the defenses and that's where the lions get the edge coming in third i have green bay i think green bay is not gonna be as bad as people think they are like i know a lot of people have green bay finishing fourth and, and being bad and jordan love that's a decent team and I think the stink of Aaron Rodgers is now gone. Like, he did not want to be there. They were tired of his stuff. They've moved on. It's a new era. They got something to prove. Green Bay three, and I think the Bears are four. I don't get where everyone's coming up with the, with the Bears. All of a sudden, they're going to win like eight more games than they won last year. Like, I don't know about on. eight, but I mean, maybe, maybe they end up with maybe eight and nine. I think that'd be fine for them. Year three. But everyone's Justin crowning Fields. Justin Fields as a, as a top MVP candidate, and I'm like – yeah, he's good in fantasy because he runs. Like, what have you seen from Justin Fields throwing the rock that make it? He's not Lamar Jackson. Like, what have we seen that everyone's so like? I, I don't, I don't get it. The arm talent is there. When I've watched Justin Fields, like the the All Twenty Two this year, I think he's just very, 
He's very hesitant. It's Trey Lance stuff where he's very hesitant. Like, I love Trey Lance. Fields is just a little bit, I think, just better as a thrower than Trey Lance. So he can kind of, he can kind of make up for it where Lance can't. I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope I'm proven wrong. I just don't see it with Justin Fields. I just don't. Like, it's time. He's got wide receivers now. He's got a better offensive line. I love the, the 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 draft pick of Darnell Wright in their left tackle last year, who was kind of an unproven young guy, was pretty solid. I'll give him credit. That offensive line's better. But you got to do it now. You got to prove it. There's no more potential talk. It's time to do it. Uh, all right. Finally, the uh, NFC East. Uh, I'm going Eagles one. Eagles the best team in the in the uh, in the NFC totality for me. I think the Eagles are really really good. I think Cowboys too. Uh, three Giants for Washington, but I think Washington is more improved. And I think the Giants, um, they take advantage of a weaker NFC. Yeah, I don't think the Giants are going to be – I just don't know if I trust Daniel Jones still that much. I mean, people thought, people thought Daniel Jones was almost going to be like beat out by Tyrod Taylor early last year. I remember seeing tweets earlier, the year, put Tyrod in, I've had enough of this. Like, he had a fantastic eight or nine game run. And he's back with Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, and he has Darren Waller this year and Saquon. So, like, I think he'll be serviceable. I just don't know collectively. I think they kind of caught guys off guard last year. Like, well, the Giants kind of, you know, surprised us. I don't know if they get that same luxury this year. Washington 4, I liked what the enemy did earlier, but, I mean, that team could win nine games. That team could win one game. That team is extremely volatile. All depends on Sam Howell. Cowboys 2, I mean, it's – it's Cowboys, the same old Cowboys. It's They're going to win 10 games. Dak's going to be like the 11th best quarterback in the league, which is like perfect debate argument fuel over how good he is. They're going to like be the number five seed, and they're going to beat probably the Saints who get the four seed in a playoff game and then go play the Eagles and get smacked. Like it's <laughs> it, it's going to be the you know, same old song and dance. Through oh, no fault of perfect. their own, they have a good team. I like their players, but it just – Feel like every year it's a le- 10 wins, 11 wins, 10 wins, and then oh, is Dak really a franchise quarterback? Like, I'm so sick of it. It's the same thing every year. It's going to be uh, that again for the Cowboys because, in like, I like the Chiefs a lot, but in terms of just one to 53, how low the roster is, it's the Eagles, and then there's everybody else. I mean, find me a weak spot. Where's the where, where are they not good? Where are the Eagles deficient? Anywhere. I can't find long snapper. Maybe I can't find it. <laughs> it's just, it's they're loaded everywhere. And Jalen hurts is an MVP candidate. I mean, that was kind of the linchpin of the whole thing. Yeah. I, I wish we would have disagreed more, but this was fun. Mike Luciano, make sure you follow him on Twitter at BY Mike Luciano. This was stacking the box. Make sure you throw us a like, make sure you give us a review. We really, really appreciate it. Back next week with Ian McMillan. I might be here. I might not be, okay? We're going to figure it out. We're, we're kind of just rotating in and out before the regular season starts. Kind of nice. Maybe give you a little college football update. But this was Stacking the Box. Until next week, we are out. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.